Welcome to the Sales Career Leveling Podcast. Each show is dedicated to the sales professionals that are driven to advance their professional sales careers. Whether that be growing in their sales, management, or leadership roles, or climbing any part of the sales org chart. Each week, we'll be discussing sales, sales management, and sales executive leadership topics, as well as the sales career advancement, best and worst practices we should all be aware of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're having a conversation with Jason Wilson. He's an area sales manager for a an organization that is national, and he oversees the entire San Antonio region. We're discussing today his recent job search, how he started his career in the Marines, his time at WorldCom right before the uh, large WorldCom accounting scandal, then how he started an actual leather bag manufacturing company. Ultimately, we discuss his recent job search and what a recruiter can and actually can't do for you in a job search. Listen until the end because he is actually hiring and they've got sales reps, sales rep openings across the United States. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're talking with Jason Wilson. Jason, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, Jason, you and I have been connected for some time now, and we connected, uh, you know, shocker, on LinkedIn. I kind of live there 24-7 as a, mm-hmm. as a headhunter. Um, and and we, we connected several months ago while you were going through a, a transition in your career and kind of mm-hmm. tried to help you. And I know you've landed that next gig and we'll definitely get into that. Um, but what I want to do and where I want to start is back in the day, long, ma- many a moon ago, you started your, let's say, private sector career at WorldCom. And most individuals don't know about that organization and the drama that was going on there. Right. Um, but you know, even before that, you were in the, in, the, uh, in the Marine Corps, right? Correct, yes. So that's really where you got started. 1991, how old were you when you enlisted? I was 18 when I when I first went in. Right on, dude. I had just graduated high school in 91. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, so you US Marine Corps, what were you doing? Uh, where were you located? Where did they stick you? Yeah, so uh, I went in uh, as a uh, 2531 as a field radio operator, uh, spent uh, a total of eight years uh, in the core, uh, got out as a, uh, as, as an 03, uh, 0321, which is a, uh, in, in uh, force recon. And, uh, but I, I, uh, started my career, uh, in a hellish duty station, uh, called Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and that's a huge joke because, uh, yeah, yeah. well, you got to take the bad with the good. Right. Exactly. So yeah, um, uh, that was my first duty station and actually spent time, uh, it, there uh, in uh, in uh, ultimately in Somalia and Colombia, and uh, never ever went to the Middle East actually. Uh, so okay. I had a very unusual career uh, in the midst of everything that was going on. Yeah, yeah, it was 
91 was a, a, a big year. Uh, lots of people being deployed. Um, now, so field radio operator was, was where you started. You, you had the uh, unfortunate pleasure of probably having to pick a lot of sand out of your clothes because you were in Hawaii. There are worse places to be, certainly. Yeah, okay. um, is, is that what got you into the WorldCom AT&T world? Yeah, so... You know, when I when I went through training in the Marines, you know, I, I, I was one of those guys that joined. I really didn't have a, uh, a, a massive direction in my life and knew that I needed something uh, to to get me out of my situation and, and to put me on the right path. And so when I when I joined the Marine Corps, you know, had a, uh, you know, enjoyed my stay uh, with the Marines uh, and then uh, ultimately uh, my training was, was predominantly in, tel in telecommunications, right? Mm -hmm. So it was uh, uh, radio frequency, SATCOM, it was all those kinds of things. So it seemed like a natural fit for me to uh, move uh, to, to WorldCom when I got out, uh, uh, got out of the Marine Corps. Um, and ultimately, you know, I was in, uh, I actually worked for WorldCom in San Ramon, California for about a year and a half. Uh, and then ultimately was re recruited, or some people say use the term poached, in the uh, parking lot of WorldCom uh, by AT by Pacific Bell at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, th they were dying because it was during the huge DSL push and colocation uh, type of work where people were building cages and everybody and their brother was starting a telecom, a mini telecom, trying to get into DSL and, and uh, all that stuff. So uh, they were hiring people left and right. They made me a sweet deal, uh, subsequently went there. And then I ended up staying with, with, with went from, went from Pac Bell to SBC to AT&T. Yeah. Moved from California, <clears throat> uh, moved from there to Texas. Uh, and uh, where the headquarters it was at the time. And uh, uh, yeah, and then, uh, it, you know, stayed in that. And then ultimately, uh, my career progression put me into a program that they had just started. And I was in the, I was in the uh, pilot phase of all of that. And it was, uh, uh, they were deploying Six Sigma. Yeah. You went and through so, all of that training? Yes, I went through, I went through the, I went through the uh, green belt, uh, uh, green belt training, the black belt training, and master black belt training, yeah. and ultimately yeah. became a, a, a certified Six Sigma black belt. Wow. And, then, uh, and and that took about two years. Uh, they, they it was no joke, legit training where we had to train. Uh, we had to complete four projects with an X dollar amount. And all of that. So it was very meaningful. It was very, it's based yeah. off Motorola's, uh, uh, you know, deal. And uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, that, that kind of really opened me up to the operational side of things. Yeah. And so I moved out of the, out of that telecommunications. Uh, uh, I understood it. I understood, you know, the wireline side, the, the engineering aspect and, and all of those things. Cause I did several jobs while working for AT&T. Yeah. Um, but but it, it 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 was a really good experience, and I was able to really uh, uh, grow 
uh, in my operations career after, uh, you know, I got that certification and really started looking at things at a different level. Let me ask you this, though, um, because so now you're in San Antonio, I'm in San Antonio, military city, USA. Um, you, I'm, I'm always having conversations with individuals that are working on their transition out of the military into private mm-hmm. sector and often struggle. They often struggle with that transition. Mm. It, it seems as though you were able to take your, you know, field of trade that they got you trained up in and transition that into the public sector. On the surface, it looks like it was something that was fairly easy. How, mm. how I'm curious, how was that transition? That's a great question. Um, I, I think, and, you know, I, I think in the, the late 90s, uh, it was, uh, when, I, when I separated from the Marine Corps, it took about three weeks. Uh, they, they put you through a series of classes and courses, mandatory, uh, when you're doing a separation. And so you get a lot of input from people. Uh, and, and it was kind of funny. You had all of these people standing in front of you saying, hey, this is great. Uh, you know, you should do this. But I, I had one. He was a retired general from the Marine Corps. Don't remember the guy's name uh, to save my life. But uh, he was what, what he kind of told me and what I got the message that I got from there is that if you're going to if you're going to be successful in the civilian world and he had been he transitioned out of the military had a wonderful uh, consult, uh, consultative career, mm-hmm. uh, doing, uh, you know, motivational speaker, all of these things. So he, he was, in my mind, was very instrumental in uh, kind of telling me, look, you know, you've got to take that grit that you were taught in the military, in the Marine Corps in this instance, and really apply it and go after the things that you want. Mm-hmm. So I was one of these guys that never really relied on the, 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 the institution to, uh, to tell me, hey, you should give this a shot. I, I honestly was more fearful that I wasn't going to land on my feet, that I needed to really need to push and make sure that I got what I wanted out of it. So I just I kind of went after it myself. And, yep. and at that time and, and, and subsequently over the past you know, 20 years, People have been uh, very, uh, very keen on the idea of hiring uh, folks that, have, that are newly separated from the military. Uh, and I think it's gotten even more so where they're, they're looking at folks separating from the military just like they are with college recruiting. Yep. So yep. I, they, they're very, my, my experience was uh, I just kind of went after it. Uh, telecommunication is something that I knew. Um, I started doing research, you know, uh, uh, back in the day uh, at the library, right? When they, <laughs> well, you know, when the, uh, they still had IBM OS2, you know, mm-hmm. operating systems um, and was, and just did research to figure out how do I, how do I land, you know, land on two feet. Granted, when I got so, out, I did, I did odds, odds and end jobs until I landed that, right? Yeah, but you're, you're I mean, it, it sounds as though that motive, that, that fear of failure in that transition was a motivator. And, and, and fear of failure can either be paralyzing or, or motivating. It yeah. sounds like you, you took that fear of, uh, you know, used it as a motivator 
and, and, and transition that into action. What do I need to do? What do I need to learn to, as you put it, land on your feet? Correct. Yeah, no, correct. And, and, and my, you know, probably one of the, one of the most difficult transitions for me was realizing that, that all civilians aren't stupid. <laughs> and, and I, and I know that sounds, that sounds kind of harsh, but yeah. honestly, when you, when you come out of the military, especially in the Marine Corps, uh, you, you definitely have this very grand opinion of yourself and <laughs> you, you, you definitely have this feeling like, Hey, I am unstoppable. People love it. When I wear my uniform, I'm, I'm totally Billy badass. You know, I can get in there and, and I got kicked down so hard, so fast and yep. started realizing, wow, uh, I got to change my attitude. I've got to change where my, uh, otherwise I'm not going to fit into this new paradigm. And, and so it, it really was something that I found difficult in the beginning and then, and then started having these aha moments, right? Where I'm like, oh, it's not just about the, you know, the government or somebody saying, hey, here's a job. It's also about us really understanding ourselves and knowing that we, we really need to tone it down. We don't have to get a high and tight every, every week. We don't have to, you know, blouse our shirts when we put our pants on, you know? <laughs> And, and spit shine our shoes every night. You don't have to do that stuff. You can you can learn how to fit in, see how everybody else is working, and blend in, right? Uh, and and become part of the culture, and not try to separate yourself by having these. Because if you if you continue, I've known so many Marines that have done that, and they hold on to it for so long yeah. that they they really don't fit in. And and so my definitely encourage anybody coming out of the military. Take a look at your situation and know that what you've got inside of you is strong and powerful, but you might, you've got to, you've got to fit into your environment. You've got to know that the people that you're going to be working with and working for, they didn't have the same training, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't, and, and they, they shouldn't be held to some un, unbelievably high expectations. And, yeah. and that goes yeah. for yourself also. So yeah, that, it, that was a big, that was a big aha moment for me. The Sales Career Leveling Podcast is brought to you by Zag Warps, your premier sales recruiting firm dedicated to helping sales leadership executives recruit the best sales talent for their teams. Connect with Michael G. Cox at zagworks.com and let's explore what a top sales recruiting team can help you build. So you transition out of military. And I think one thing that is worth noting for those of us that are perhaps a little older, you were pre-WorldCom drama and you left there before the entire, you know, the, the let's say the I, fit I, hit the shan and you were yeah. not in, in accounting. I, yeah, exactly. I was not in accounting. I, I definitely had a, so I had a weird experience. <laughs> I left, I re, or I'm sorry, I remember being in Chicago in a boardroom uh, the day that the stock uh, hit $96 a share. Everybody was losing their mind. It yeah, was like yeah. Wolf of Wall Street party in San, in Chicago. People were losing it like, this is insane. This is awesome. And then they were talking about the stocks splitting. So, you know, and everybody was really happy. Yeah. But what I saw was I am brand new to this company and I'm writing purchase orders for seven and a half million dollars in equipment that is being installed, but not being used. 
Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on here? And ultimately, I started putting two and two together thinking these guys are blowing money like it's going out of style. And so I ultimately accepted the offer with Pat Bell and then left, left. Well, the funny thing was when I left, Bernie Eberts, who was the CEO uh, of WorldCom, I, I quite literally got a blimpy gift certificate for a free sandwich when I left. Nice. There you I, go. It's the, the most bizarre thing I've ever gotten in my life. But yeah. that yeah. was on the downward spiral when all the investigations and, you know, he was having quite literally having prayer sessions in the boardrooms. Yeah, hey, whatever uh, and, works. And I, yeah. <laughs> I think he was praying for himself more than everyone else. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the 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 whole uh, you mentioned being um, in your move to AT and T being poached in the parking lot. Yes. Explain, because as a as a recruiter, I'd, I'd love to hear what they did, how they got you. So uh, one of the one of the people that used to work for Pac Bell. Uh, was part of my uh, my team, and so we were talking and all and and all this, and we were down in the parking lot, uh, walking to our cars, and then uh, his name was Bob Battle, and uh, he uh, he introduced me to an uh, an area manager at at the at the company they they'd come across because Bob and him knew one another, and so they started talking, and they're like uh, he he looks at me and he's like how would you like to, how would you like a job? And I'm like, well, I got a job. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm serious. He goes, we pay really well and we really need to pull people over here. And I was doing a lot of sonnet ring engineering and fiber optic engineering at the time for WorldCom. And uh, uh, I said, well, you know, I don't know. And then he threw the number out there and I was like, okay, let me, I really need to consider this because I, at the time I was 26, 27 and my son was on the way. Yeah. And so I, you know, I started thinking to my family, had a conversation with my wife at the time and, and it, it kind of became a no brainer. So the next day I called him, uh, you know, he gave me his business card. I called him and I said, well, what are the, what are the, pro- what's the process? And so, yeah, when I left, they, they were not happy. <laughs> They were frustrated, oh. and yeah, because I'd I'd only been there for a year and a half, and then, but I I honestly, I, uh, a year to the day almost is when everything collapsed, and they started letting people go left and right. Yeah. So it, it was it got brutal. Uh, so you I got I out while it. the getting was good. I did. I did. So you were uh, with AT and T for about twelve years in engineering. Then you, you did the the Six Sigma black belt. You you were at WorldCom. You were in fiber optics, telecom, engineering. Same with AT and T engineering um, in the telecom world. So that's that's about fourteen of your years of your life. And then you took a serious you know, left turn or should have taken a left turn in, in Albuquerque <laughs> and, and went into retail. Um, and you, you just went from engineering into um, bags, leather bags, leather goods and, and product. Help me to understand right. what, what happened there. Yeah. So it was a, 
interesting story. So uh, at the time, my my uh, wife and I had come up with a, it was kind of her brainchild where, where Epiphany kind of had it in her head that, hey, you need to make something for women, lady photographers. Okay. Um, and so the whole uh, the whole genesis behind that was just, uh, you know, fulfilling a need because there were so many bags out there, but they were all geared toward men photographers. And then I, I really kind of took over the operational side of Epiphany and started going to China to the factories there, uh, selected the factories. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, we have a delivery of a 45 foot container uh, and, uh, it's loaded full of women's designer camera bags. Yeah. And so, uh, now you gotta sell them. Yeah. The entire, well, here's the crazy part. So, um, the, 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 uh, the investment for the, for, to start the company was about $30,000. And okay. the night that we turned on the, turned on the website, 24 hours later, we had sold $40,000 worth of bags. Yikes. Yeah. And, and so there was a huge, we had already put in placed a huge order, uh, but over in, in a 24 hour period, uh, it, it, it's really a, it's a miraculous story. And there was a lot of social media blitzing. There was a lot of stuff building up to that point. Yeah. And getting people excited, but you know, it's like the days here, the days here. So the minute that the website went on, orders started flying. And so we were in 24 hours, we were in the black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. right out the gate. So uh, it, it was still like, okay. nerve-wracking until that 24 hours. Oh, yeah, because you never know, you never know what you're gonna get, right? Yeah. Crazy stuff occurred uh throughout that whole uh that whole process, but it was a it was a wild ride, but definitely uh uh extremely lucrative and uh and and lots of fun where's the business now uh how's it going she's actually taken the business uh she and i are no longer married not because of that uh but uh but uh certainly uh she's taken the business and really moved it to a different level uh and has beautiful bags and continuing on uh i think she changed the name of the company ultimately uh, but yeah, it was, a uh, it was an incredible journey, uh, mm-hmm. and which, which led me to Wiseware, uh, where I, I subsequently, uh, became the, the chief operating officer for the, for that tech company. Yep. And so my, my, you know, I, I really made a solid shift from, from the engineering side to operations with Six Sigma and then with Epiphany. And then I stayed the course with Wiseware. But, uh, but at Wiseware, you were also v, not just COO, VP of operations, but also sales. So yes. my assumption is that somewhere at Epiphany Bags, you, you jump into the sales game as well. Yes. So we, we had a need, pretty dramatic need, to once the product at Wiseware was developed for us to start to develop a... Uh, uh, sales channels, right? So there was there was multiple sides of it because we didn't just want to sell to uh, uh, Macy's and Nordstrom's and Saks Fifth Avenue, but we also wanted to go internationally because we had lots of interest uh, from uh, our experience in in 2016. We went to 
uh, CES in Las mm -hmm. Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. so we had an insane amount of interest from other countries uh, that wanted to buy the product, et cetera. So, you know, once you're developing a product and making sure that it's Bluetooth compatible, you know, it's following all the guidelines and, and you know, you've got all your, uh, all your localization correct on your app, your website, just everything, right? And yeah. it was just a monumental effort uh, to get it out there. Yeah, and, and just to, you know, to, to, I guess, tell everybody, these were, um, this was jewelry, but it was, it was technology wearables, correct? Yes, uh, it, it essentially, what it, what, it, what it came down to is the bracelet was a fully metal bracelet that had different types of plating on the outside. And uh, it was gorgeous. It is gorgeous. We, you know, I've got. I've seen. I've some. seen pictures. And uh, on the inside, it was hollow, and that's where the electronics uh, uh, was was inside. But you flip the bracelet upside down, and you would tap it twice, and it would send a signal to your phone and send an emergency signal out from there. So, if uh, the the whole point of the bracelet was for women's safety. So let me ask you this because. This generally, we're talking about sales, sales careers, or careers in general. Now, you've had the opportunity to do hiring, and I'm sure, unfortunately, on the back end, do some firing. What I'd like to pick your brain about is, you know, some of the things that um, people should be doing, shouldn't be doing. Uh, so, what I'd like to do is just kind of rapid fire some of these questions and ask. I'm sure you've seen this quite often, but and, and you can identify a few things that trip up most sales representatives or just individuals in general that are just getting started in their careers. You know, being real, being, being yourself uh, is, is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I've realized as, as a person in sales uh, is I made that transition from a heavy, like super, super heavy operational background uh, into, you know, quota, you know, meet your quota type sales, where you're going out every day, you're, you're shaking hands, you're smiling at people. The only thing that will really get you through environments like that is if you're real with yourself. And you're and, and I think a lot of people come at it from a perspective, like, I've got to be somebody else, I have to be somebody special, I have to be that. I yeah. think that if you approach, when you start a career in sales, uh, and and uh, you really are focused on you know learning learning how learning the product know the product uh, from beginning to end backwards and forwards understand who your client is and just be yourself. So ju just to interject there, I, it's it's I think it's a whole lot more difficult to be your authentic self and be authentic in these conversations yeah. when you don't have, you know, some of the basics, I think you need to develop the knowledge. And you mentioned this knowledge of your product and service. Mm -hmm. You need to know through and through exactly what the organization is saying they're capable of and what the organization is truly capable of so you're not overselling or over promising and, and and then once you have that base of understanding you can more comfortably engage with a higher level of of confidence mm -hmm. um with the right 
individuals, the right organizations and, and the right individuals within those, those companies. Yep. And, and, and another part is, is patience, right? Having, having the patience to let the process work. Because I think you, I think a lot of sales executives though are typically under the gun with regard to the number that they're being pushed for, and they're always being asked this: Have you updated your forecast? And, <laughs> and it's it's a daily thing where they're you have to engage in the activities that are going to lead to the results that you need. Yep. Right. The the cold calling and prospecting and networking and um, engaging those prospective clients. Uh, while keeping your current base of clients happy, uh, it's it's a lot of work. Yes. But yes, you definitely have to be engaged in those. Um, and, and unfortunately, most organizations are pressing so hard that most individual contributors in sales, at least, are um, you know they 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 don't like hearing no but they don't like getting fired even more. So right. they're going to have to press forward to try and, you know, provide um, the results, you know, that they're on the hook to provide on a, let's say on a monthly basis. Right. Right. So, and, and I, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, I think it's really, it's really attaching yourself, especially when you're new uh, and you're coming into this, these environments, you really want to make sure that you pick the right environment that fosters learning and, and, but, but also drives results. Yeah, definitely. And, and there are many organizations that would be great for that. Unfortunately, many individuals that are in that job search mode, you know, you, you've got the pressure to find that next gig because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, uh, the tax man and the, and the, mortgage guy they're not gonna they're not gonna wait for you to to find right. that perfect job mm -hmm. um I, i'm curious with regard to you know you, you did a lot of hiring you've done a lot of hiring in, in your time mm -hmm. when it comes to and i'm not going to try and stick to just sales but just a, an individual that is being considered for an opportunity whether that person has been recruited or i should say is being recruited or has actively engaged the organization for that position would you say most hiring managers, what, what are they looking for, whether it be on a, on a resume or a LinkedIn profile or in a conversation that most candidates fail to highlight? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, seasoned organizations that, that really understand the people that they have uh, and, and really uh, understand the value of cultivating and growing the people they have, their focus is going to be less on the skill set side and more on the attitude and aptitude side. So if you have, if you have a, the right attitude and aptitude, meaning that you're a smart person, you're savvy, you can think quickly on your feet, critical, critical thought, all of those things, um, mixed with your ability to uh, have, a, have a, you know, an in-depth conversation, right? Those are the things that a lot of sales executives are looking for because, and also, also there is an element of humility that is mixed in with that and knowing that they can be trained mm -hmm. and that they're willing to be trained. Totally agree. 
I, as a as a third party recruiter these days, the part that I don't agree with in that statement, mm-hmm. it's like. Uh, uh, can't remember the individual. Simon Sinek had said something like, "You don't hire for skill; you hire for attitude. You can always train skill." Right. That doesn't work for a recruiter because there is nobody who's going to pay me a twenty percent fee to find them an individual that has a great attitude but has no clue what he or she is doing. That's just never going to happen. Sure, so, sure. and the individual that has the experience has the advantage and 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 yeah. it's never mm-hmm. either or because right. if they can find the individual that has the skill and has a great attitude that person wins right so and, and there are always things that one can do whether they're going into sales or engineering or software development or coding or i should say a, a career that requires coding um there's always something that can be done to bridge the gap between zero experience and all the experience needed. It could be books, training, things yeah. that, you, that you're engaged in to demonstrate your level of commitment to this chosen career path. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I, I rarely see that even in the individuals that are doing this. They've read the books, they've attended trainings, they attend, let's say, certain sales clubs, but they do all of those things. Don't mention it in an interview. Don't list it on a resume. Don't list it on their LinkedIn profile. And then wonder, why am I not getting the attention that I deserve in this job search? So sometimes you need the right question to be asked of you to be able to say, actually, I do have that experience. Um, and, and, and then highlighting that in, in, on those documents that precede you in a job search. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, I think me personally, I struggled with that. Right. I mean, I mentally, I knew what I have done and I knew what I had accomplished with regard to sales. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't effectively communicate those thought, those ideas it through written word in my profile and all of that, I ultimately ended up hiring a company to go in and restructure everything for me. Yep. And I went through a quick interview process. I went yep. through all of that and that worked out. I, it that helped. worked out brilliant. Oh yes. Yep. It, it was amazing because they saw the, the things that I didn't see. And then when they said it, it's like, oh my goodness, you're totally right. The inability to highlight what you know in your brain in a, in a way that is easily consumable by a decision maker in that hiring process mm-hmm. basically leaves you in a, if a tree falls in a, in the forest and nobody's there to, to witness it, did it even make a sound? Right. Because right. if you don't convey that yeah. and, and do it concisely, then it really doesn't exist. It, it for example, when I have to tell an individual, no, you weren't selected for the position, I have to be very clear and say, hey, Jason, during the interview process, which is now over, you failed to demonstrate a, a level of expertise in, let's just say, sales or cold calling or whatever. 
in in this thing um, that would have ranked you above all other candidates that were in contention. Based on that, we can't move forward with your candidacy or the the client is letting me know. Now, you'll immediately say, well, hold on. I've got that experience. Well, you might, but during the interview process, which is now over, you failed to demonstrate that. So if you can't demonstrate that during this interview process, and some people will complain that, well, if the person still has it, why are we letting that individual go or or removing him from contention? And the fact is that if you don't demonstrate it, it doesn't exist. And you can't hold it against me for not having highlighted that for you on your information, on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, in your interview, because I'm not there to do that. And and, and the reason for that is that's not my job. Yeah, right, right. It's not. And and I think a lot of people get, a lot of people just assume that if you go with a a recruiter, headhunter, whatever, that they're going to they're going to expose all this miraculous stuff that you've done in your career. And really what it comes down to is, is your ability to talk about yourself in a positive way, express your, your desires. And, and, and what, what was a game changer for me was that I literally wrote everything down that I wanted in my career. And so when I did that, I had this really good in-depth understanding of what I wanted. And then as I started going through these interview processes, it wasn't just me getting interviewed. It was me interviewing them. And what that drove was very intriguing questions from me back to them. And then it became a conversation. And through that process, I was able to talk more about my skills. I was able to talk, and it was in a really relaxed environment because I wanted to see if they picked up on what I was putting down, not just well, one yeah, way. Much more relaxed environment because you created, and, and yeah. I'm not saying that this, this is possible, but you created a conversational interview rather than just a Q&A type situation. Yes. Yes. Now, I can help individuals with, you know, hey, this is the formula. Start with, and I call it uh, art. Start mm-hmm. with an action verb. Attach to that a quantified result. And, and if you're a waiter or a waitress and you say, well, there are no quantifiable results in my mm-hmm. line of work. Well, there mm-hmm. are because you can there count are. how many, you can count the tips, you can count the number of satisfied clients. You can count how many more than everybody else you served. You can measure everything. Right. If, if you're in a situation where nothing that you do can be measured, get ready to go find yourself another job. Right. So, and then you add a time frame, and that those three things: action verb, uh, quantified result, time frame. You put that together. That's one accomplishment. Preferably following a bullet point on one line, and you're done. Mm-hmm. So, it it can be done, but. I cannot do that for you. Mm-hmm. This is the number one reason why I have business insurance because I could be um, held liable for ENO errors and omissions. If yeah. I write a resume for Jason Wilson 
and I rewrite his LinkedIn profile, and then I broker a conversation between Jason and my client, and something goes awry, now I'm being held liable for the errors and omissions that I created or I, I um, am responsible for in the profile and the preparation of a candidate. And that's, that's some dangerous ground. Uh, I'm putting myself at risk there. So right. I can try and help an individual to uncover the value that they bring, but I cannot frame it up and, and serve it up for you. Right. Now that so, makes sense. That's, that, that is, uh, that's well said because I think a lot of, I, I think there's a misunderstanding in a lot of ways about exactly what recruiters roles are with regard to landing, you know, opportunities. You're, you are, you're saying, here's a, here's the dance. Here's the, here's the ticket. I'm going to get you in there. But if you can't dance, yeah. if you can't, you're, 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 you're going to fail on your own, on your own merit. Right. Yes. So I, I highly encourage people when I talk, my experience was absolutely phenomenal. When I, when I got somebody to rewrite everything, it was it, the, the net result was a quick turnaround for me after that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was great because my original resume, I thought it was the bomb.com. I thought I'd covered <laughs> everything. And then and no. just got, yeah. And, and absolutely it was, it was everything and nothing at all. Right. Yeah. It was, it was ultimately convoluted. It didn't, it wasn't, it, it was not in line with the exactly the company that I wanted to, or the career that I wanted to go after. Yeah. And so and the, yeah. the one thing I don't like about that though, yeah. the one thing that scares me about spending a hundred bucks, 500 bucks, $5,000 on something like that is you, let's say you bring your resume to uh, Jack Handy and, and Jack re reruns the whole thing for you and everything looks great, but the guy never worked in operations. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you're a, a VP of sales and this guy never worked in sales a day of his life right. and you're trying to convey to that individual the value that you bring, but he can't capture that, then you're paying a lot of money for great words, but the essence of what you did is probably not going to be baked into that, uh, that solution for you. So you, yes, get help. Highly recommend that, but be very cautious as to who yeah. you use and maybe find somebody who has a niche solution that matches up with the niche that you want to stay in. So let's uh, transition into a uh, last couple questions. I've definitely enjoyed the conversation. I'm curious recent books on business that you've read and that you that have really you know impressed you uh yeah so uh i am an avid reader um i i generally i'm one of those people that if people say hey i need you to read this or recommend something i actually do read it <laughs> hey so yeah I, I think uh i think one of the best the the last book that i've read recently is called pitch this Okay, uh, and, and it is one of the one of the best books from a sales perspective I think I've ever read uh, yeah. because it boils it down to the most simplest human factors, and and I literally have started incorporating some of those some of those methodologies into my pitch throughout the day, and mm -hmm. I can quite literally see people's crock brain. 
their, their middle brain and their cerebral cortex kicking in at different times. So, so a couple that I'm reading right now, um, one is by Keenan, who's an amazing sales guru. Uh, it's called Gap Selling. Hmm. Love that. Love that book. And, and the other is, I've actually been through a gap selling training, but the other is um, uh, Crucial Conversations. Mm-hmm. So in recruiting, you're always involved in crucial conversations, whether you're having conversations with a client or a candidate or both. Um, crucial conversations uh, are, are something that you have to get used to and not shy away from. So those, those are two that I'm reading right now. Nice, nice. Um, I'm curious, you are now the area sales manager for your organization. Are you hiring in, in this nick of the woods? You want to tell somebody about uh, you know, yeah, your, your, uh, your open roles in San Antonio? Uh, so I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what the roles are uh, for this particular area, but I do know that they are hiring like crazy. They've got 12 positions uh, right now that they're desperately looking for uh, across the United States. Um, and with the expectation that they're going to be bringing on close to 100 more candidates within Yikes. the next uh, 18 to 24 months. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, the, the company is growing. It's been around for 21 years. Uh, but they This they is definitely... American Preferred Home Warranty, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. And we, America's, we, sorry, America's, America's Preferred home, yeah. home Warranty. And, and we, we essentially... Uh, uh, do consultative sales where we work with the real estate agents and train them on on them applying the home warranties for their buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. And so, it's it's a it's a wonderful company, excellent culture. Uh, they have uh, they 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 really do treat their people well and uh, uh, fantastic accredited training uh, that comes along with all of that. Uh, so they, they tend to pick from uh, seasoned and brand new people. So right it's on. a combination. Cool. And how can individual, how can people that might be interested in that or connecting or picking your brain about anything, how would you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, look, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a LinkedIn uh, 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 crazy guy. I love using that. So I, I yeah. pretty much connect with anybody that I have a conversation with, uh, so that I can, you know, constantly post things and, and keep in touch and, and keep things moving, keep the conversation moving forward. So absolutely. Yep. Yep. Anybody has a conversation, uh, wants to talk to me about it, uh, by all means, uh, hit, hit me up in LinkedIn and I'm happy to happy to have a conversation. Right on. Yeah. That's Jason Wilson. Currently area sales manager at America's Preferred Home Warranty. Jason, I have enjoyed our conversation and um, I know we'll continue to stay in contact. Uh, I'm glad we had the opportunity to catch up today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on the Sales Career Leveling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and if you would be so kind, share this podcast with a fellow sales professional. 
If you are a sales professional and would like to connect, have a guest, and or topic suggestion, please find Michael G. Cox on LinkedIn or email careerleveling at gmail.com.